What's up, you beautiful people? It's your boy Hobart. My guest today is none other than Miss Lauren Swickard. I met Lauren working on a film set up in Petaluma. I think it was called Carolina Christmas. Uh, it had Brooke Shields was starring in it, and Lauren was the producer. I think she was the EP, executive producer, I want to say. Sorry if I got that wrong, Lauren. Uh, but she was my contact for the day, and we got to work on two different shoot days, and she was just one of the kindest and just genuinely good, friendly, and generous people. Um, I've worked with all types, especially in the film industry, and I can honestly say she was one of the easiest and most fun to work with. And we started talking, and I come to find out that uh, she's not only a producer, but an actress and a writer as well, that she had written the movie we were working on, which was really cool to hear how that story went down, um, and that she's acted in a, cu a couple feature roles, uh, starring alongside her husband, and also in a couple episodes of Dear White People, uh, which I've, you know, I think I watched the first two seasons of that maybe so i'm sure i saw her in that but just a genuinely kind and generous and awesome human being and was so happy to have her on the episode uh we go into you know her story which is pretty remarkable just you know talk about a self-made woman coming to la forging her path um and you know just the tremendous amount of success that she's experienced uh in her career and um, so it was, it was a blast. I was really, really glad to have her on. And I hope you all enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, let me do, introduce to you my friend Lauren Swickard on this episode 58 of the Bartcast. Great to hear from you. What a surprise. <laughs> the water, yo. The water's on our side, yo. We're running with the water. It's the best. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Thanks for coming on. Welcome to the Bartcast. Um, <laughs> that's good. I'm glad we finally uh, managed to get this going. I know. I know. I'm. You know. I haven't done um, an interview or a podcast in almost six months. So that long, huh? This, yeah. This is. <laughs> I hope I'm good for you here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. The chops, the chops die slowly, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's actually interesting. Like one of the things that's come out of this project that I've been doing, I think two years now, um, mm -hmm. which was totally un unexpected, but it's like made when I go interview for jobs, it's like made me way better at interviewing. Which oh I was my not. gosh. I bet. Nice. Like, I guess it makes sense. I've done a bunch of interviews. So, but like, I, I, I like earlier this year, I just kept like crushing all these interviews and I was like, what? Oh, 
remember when that used to be hard for me. Yeah, it's because you're used to it now. That's great. That's great. So podcast is a good, uh, you know, podcasting is a good, has some good life skills that that helps you with, you know. I've been listening to podcasts more now. I'm, I love um, true crime podcasts. Oh, yeah. It's so funny. Josh will walk in, um, my husband, he'll walk into the room and and I'll be like, and the body was found, blah, 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 blah. He's like, yeah. what's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's funny. Women like love true crime podcasts. I don't know why. <laughs> it's like the mystery aspect of it that I like. Like yeah. finally figure out who did it. Sometimes it's a super shock. Sometimes you can guess, but yeah. Fun. What was it like? I feel like cereal was like the first big cereal yeah I did I listened to cereal I listened to one to live and die in LA oh my gosh I feel like you would actually this was cool it's about an actress um who went missing and the whole story was just a wild chase to find out where she was and who took her and all these things and it was a true story okay it was happening in real time when I was listening to it. So it was very, wow. it's like, I couldn't wait for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> a page turner. Yeah. Yeah. I listened recently to, uh, there was this series called you must remember this. And it was like, uh, this woman, I guess it's a whole series on like the history of LA. Oh, wow. Particular like mini series within that larger thing was centered around um like Charles Manson and the the Manson murders and cool like, it really oh, they spend a lot of time like talking about LA like the LA scene in the 60s and like the hippie era and how that filtered into Hollywood and uh oh my gosh I'm writing this down right now yeah yeah I'll, I'll send you the link it, it was like very serial-esque like like cool. produced very similarly um but I had never really, you know, that was before my time. So I remember like watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when it came out. And I know for a lot of people, it was like deeply relevant who had like lived the story. Yeah. And I didn't know the whole st- backstory. So it was fun to go and. Oh, that's and, fun. Like, okay. So I mm-hmm. haven't finished that show because I haven't had to, I really haven't had time to watch shows. So I need to like, after I'm done doing this movie, which we're almost mm-hmm. done with. I'm going to watch Netflix for like yeah. five minutes. Well, this <laughs> is the, I'm talking about the Tarantino movie that he did. Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry. The movie, but I, I haven't seen that either. Yeah. It's pretty good. I, you know, I think if I had known the story, I, it would have been like a little more relevant to me. It's, you know, but just seeing like, I don't know, I'm such a Leonardo DiCaprio fan and he just kills it in the movie. Really? And, uh you know, there's there's some really great scenes, um, and just you know, going to a Tarantino film, I feel like he's one of those artists who's able to, you know, create unapologetically, you know, genuine stuff. Like he's going to be making it exactly the way that he wants. I think Wes Anderson oh, yeah. is very similar, where okay. like I can go to one of their movies, and whether it's like my favorite or not, I know that they're not making any decisions that, you know, other than what is going to be like the most true to my creative vision for this. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, whether it's my favorite movie or not, like I, I have a lot of respect 
Oh, yeah. You know, I know that that's not always the case in, in the modern world. I know. And it's really cool that the team that surrounds those guys allow them to take complete creative control and just be like, okay, you you can have that if you want it. Like, let's go. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're able to get like the money and the trust. Yes. Yes. And that which I think is a good segue maybe to talk a little bit about what it is that you do and and uh you know maybe dive into you know how you talk about yourself and the work that you're doing these days like what is the the Lauren Swickard like title that you would give yourself if I asked you like if we met out grabbing a bagel okay. or something I was like what do you do okay so I um and primarily right now, I'm primarily a writer producer. Um, I'm, I used to be an actress. I still am an actress, but right now my momentum in my career has come from producing and writing. Um, but I started in this business as an actress and I moved to LA almost 10 years ago, uh, not knowing anyone, not knowing anything about the industry. Um, I started, you know, I was so young, but I started like submitting myself for little short films and stuff in North Carolina. Mm. And I actually, the first time I came out here was I, I booked a commercial, um, online through a casting site for proactive. Okay. The callback was in LA and the person, you know, messaged me, I don't see you, you don't have representation on your account. Is there anyone that I could, you know, um, book your call back through? I was like, no, I had, I had no idea what I was saying. No, just, you know, go through me. Where's the callback? It's in LA. And I was like, great, I'll be there. <laughs> I told my mom I'm going to LA and she's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I was 18 and she ended up coming with me and Justin Bieber was on set. It was oh. a proactive commercial that he was in. I was just like the face wash model. I had to like <laughs> uh, splash my face with freezing cold water that was treated with something. So it tasted terrible, mm. but I had to splash my face with water all day. And that was my first time in LA my first introduction in the, into the industry. Um, You're like, hold on, let me put you on the line with my client. Hey, what's up? It's yeah, literally. Client or her agent or whatever. <laughs> yes. And then through that is when I, through that commercial booking, I got um, an agent and a manager. And then I, I really started working when I turned 19 and I moved to LA when I was 19. Was it one of those classic stories of like you throwing everything in the back of the car and driving out? Yes. I, I actually flew out here and I moved in with a cousin of mine that lives here. He still lives here. We're great friends now. Um, he was like my older, he was like the the older cousin that I didn't really talk to, but we saw each other on holidays. And now all of a sudden I'm living with him. Um, but he's great. He's like an older brother to me now. Nice. But yeah, I flew out here. I had my, you know, my manager and my agent and I booked a pilot pretty fast um, for CBS. It was called Anatomy of Violence, hmm. but it didn't get picked up. And that was my first real set that I 
had a role on. I Before I came to LA, I started to, I was a PA for Screen Gems. I was an extras wrangler, a production assistant, which is like bottom of the totem pole. But um, so I had been on bigger sets before, but the, that pilot was the first time that I had been an actress on a big show. Was that something growing up that you always knew you wanted to do? Like, were you a drama kid? So I was a dancer, a ballet dancer, and a really, my my whole life was ballet. I, I went to New York City when I was 13, um, and I danced with the School of American Ballet, which is the New York City Ballet's children's division. And all my coaches were Russian um, in Ohio. I went to a school for professional children in Ohio so that I could do like a hybrid school and dance type of program. Um, and so I was always, you know, on stage and costume. I never, I never did acting until I was in high school though. Um, but I started to get interested in the film industry in high school. We had a film class and I just loved it. I loved the storytelling aspects. I love that if you are in a movie set in a different time period that you can really experience what someone from that time period was feeling and you could dive into characters. Um, yeah, so no, I wasn't involved in acting at all when I was young. I was just a dancer, but then I injured myself pretty, pretty, it was a pretty bad injury. I pulled, I completely tore my adductor muscle. Mm. And after that happened, I really, it was really hard for me to come back from it. So my professional dance career kind of stopped when that happened and I started getting into, yeah, just acting classes in high school and my, I loved my film class. Um, so that's how I kind of got interested in the whole business and the writing happened. Um, I loved creative writing um, growing up. I thought I wanted to be a journalist after my dance career. That was the plan. I wanted to be a writer for a magazine or something. <laughs> so acting, you read scripts. I mean, all day you get sent scripts and you read them and you get sent sides, which are a selection of um, scenes that you audition with for the show that you're going to, you know, you're trying out for. And the more scripts I read, the more sides I read, I, I figure, oh, I just, I kind of want to try writing my own, writing my own feature. I didn't even start with a short film. I just started with my a feature film. And I loved it, fell in <laughs> love with writing. And then I started trying to really pursue, okay, how do I get a script sold? How do I become better at this? I took uh, all of the books, all of the most popular um, screenwriting books, and I just devoured them. And I have, I have my script writing Bible. And it's just this old notebook that has basically lesson plans that I created for myself as I was reading all these books from all these you know, different ways to structure a feature film. There are um, different formulas. And that's my, I, every time I start a new script or a show or a feature or a show, I have it like right next to me and it's got coffee stains and mm -hmm. it's my everything when it comes Post -its. to <laughs> yeah, every And if anything ever happened to that thing, now that I'm talking to you about it, I feel like I need to scan it or something. Yeah. That thing you is still weird. use it to this day. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's right next to me. That's amazing. Do you ever read the book Save the Cat? Yes. I think yes. Uh, let's see if I can 
Oh, I think I put it on my bookshelf. It's yeah, so I started re I took a directing class like during the pandemic. And, oh, cool. Uh, because I have, you know, have a couple movie ideas that that uh okay. at some point I want to create. And um so I just it was like a I started thinking about like how can I use my time and um I found this local class and ended up, you know, I think it was pretty cheap. I think it was like five hundred bucks. It was like wow. or something, and we were meeting, and um, the teacher was like one of these guys, like, you know, I think as the class continued, he, he was coming real hot with like, you know, how big he was and the work he had done, but I I kept asking questions about it, because like, uh, all he would really reference was like this one music video that he did, like in the 80s. A music video <laughs> and and you okay. would do you know king and name dro name dropping and like i kind of had like for me it was like i went in knowing like i'm not really taking the class because of like what you've done or what your accomplishments are i'm just like interested in can i gain some knowledge and wisdom from you yes. at a certain point i started to get frustrated because i was like hey man like i get it like i trust you you don't need to like keep selling me you have my money like can we just get past like I, let's just say that for the sake of argument like I just believe what you're saying and you don't have to keep like starting every lesson with giving me justification for why I should trust you Aww. I just wanted to get to like the knowledge part and so yeah. um I think there was like a, maybe a little insecurity there or something but the class was great and it like I definitely took a, a bunch of notes and it got me really like fired up on this idea that I have for a script and for a movie that I want to make um, as well as like show, when you show up in one of these classes, I think it's like really beneficial to see kind of where your mind is at versus like all the other, you know, there was a bunch of other people in the class and it really made me feel like I was almost like, you know, without tooting my own horn, like a little like ahead, like, Oh, yeah. Oh, I have this like fully formed idea or I have this like, you know, I've been working as videographer for years and that definitely helps. You've been around the atmosphere. Yeah. And on sets. And so it just gave me like a confidence boost. And, um, you know, and then I like started to to dive into the idea and realized like that, uh, I think I'm still a little ways off from like being able to get a movie funded, you know, yeah, that's building my network, still building those connections. And when the moment comes, I just want to make sure that, I, that I have, I'm in a place in my life where I can devote enough, you know, devote the time and the resources to give the yeah. idea what it needs, you know? Yes. But, uh, but that's yeah. great. It's, it, it sounds like uh, just, I'm looking at your, this pattern of success in your life and it's so inspiring to see, like you come out, you get booked, you know, like <laughs> you're, you got your, uh, what was the, I, I was curious, what was the process like of you deciding to write a film and, um, you know, kind of transferring from being an actress to, to a writer producer, how did yeah. that process kind of flow for you? So I never made the decision to move from acting to writing. Writing just gave me a sense of um, 
Control is a weird word, but it it did. It gave me a sense of control over my creativity because when you're an actress, you're just taking what someone else gives you and you're doing, I mean, you, you do have, you know, you bring your own sensibilities, you bring your own experiences into any role that you book as an actress, but ultimately the creativity was already done. You just have to give life to someone else's idea. Um, and so, like I said, I, I was reading scripts all the time and I thought this is, I could, I, I could do this. I, I, I have this really different experience as a kid that I can pull from um, my dance background and, and maybe I can, you know, write a movie about, about that because I know it so well, more than the average person, more, more so than even the average dancer, you know, I did the New York thing and it was very dramatic. Um, So the transition was kind of just an outlet for me at first to put my own creativity into something. And my first script was called The Last Apprentice. Um, And it was about my experience at the New York City Ballet. And, you know, I wrote myself in as my, I, I, I modeled my, a character that I would have loved to play after my roommate who was older than me. I was 13 and my roommate was 16, I think. Um, so I made myself as if I were in her shoes. So I kind of told a way, it's not a, about anyone at all, but it was a version of, you know, this person as me, because when I was so young, I looked up to her as like this older dancer that was in a higher level than me. And um, so, but once that script started to get, and I got it, I got the script out there. I wanted people to read it. I didn't have any hesitation with um, sending the script to producers I'd worked with. I had been pretty fortunate as an actress. I had worked on maybe 12 feature films as the lead before I started writing. So I knew a lot of producers um, and directors. And so, yeah, I, I just wrote this script and I actually wrote it with a writing partner. We were roommates and I started working on it. And I'm like, do you want to do this with me just for fun? And we wrote it together. She's an actress as well. And then we just started sending it to everyone, just cold emailing people. Hey, and once it started to get some really great momentum and really great feedback, feedback, I, I started to think, hey, maybe I can really do this and really learn about how to do this. Um, so that's when I started reading books and making my writing more of a priority than um, the hustle that is acting. Um, I kind of split my time between wanting to be an actress and wanting to be a writer. And yeah, the momentum with writing just kept going. I. I wrote seven more feature films and of the seven um, in this period of my life, of the seven features, I sold two of them. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yes. And those, the two that I sold have never seen the light of day. They're still scripts that are just sitting with production companies. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm actually trying, we're trying to get one of them back to do something with it because I love it so much but yeah um did you sell that first one that you wrote 
The Last Apprentice? I didn't actually. That's still, you know, I, I think now I know so much more mm-hmm. about writing that now I'm like, oh, I don't even want anyone to read this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Such a good name though. I, that's a great name for a movie. Thanks. Thanks. I, in, um, there's more dance shows that came out, like Tiny Pretty Things came out. That's a TV show. Um, Black Swan. I, I wrote the script after Black Swan came out. But yeah, there are more. Dance is kind of making a comeback. Yeah. Um, content wise. So maybe, yeah, maybe I fix that up and send it back out there. Get <laughs> a refresh. Yeah. I'm curious, like when you sit down to write a script or write a story, um, what's your process for creating characters? Do you have like a special way that you, you know, when you're thinking about characters and how they interact in a story, um, you know, how do you draw inspiration to create these people? Is it always like from your own life, an autobiographical thing, or do you, you know, like to dream people out of thin air? Like, yeah. So the the only time that I've ever used personal experience um it within a character obviously whenever a creative creates they use their some part of their personal experience because you have to you Mm -hmm. can't really um be a creative unless you've lived a creative life you know so obviously I use my own you know experiences and everything but the only script that actually was inspired by myself inside of one of my characters was the first one was the last apprentice after that, um, I just started to think of all of these extremely talented actors that I've seen in my acting classes and, you know, uh, these small plays that go up in LA that, you know, 20 people come to, but are just so impressive and people are so talented, but their talent can't see the light of day because of luck. Like this industry is a lot of the time about luck. And I've seen that now, especially being behind the scenes with casting people and producing. Um, it's it's a lot of just, oh, wow, this person looks exactly like the what the director pictures for the role. So we're going to do everything we can to make them work for this part. But, you know, actress A over here, her acting and talent won, but just because this person looks like exactly what the director had in mind, we're going to go with this person, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of that, but I started to think about all these talented humans that I know. Um, So really I, I actually pull from different people like, okay, this, this one woman in my acting class, what kind of role could I write for her? that would be absolutely in her wheelhouse that she would just kill. And so that will be my first inspiration. And I won't necessarily write roles for somebody, but just a performance that I saw or an audition tape that I actually watched because I was you know, producing something and I was watching audition tapes and this person did something so cool. How, how can I make a character out of this you know, behavior that I, that I saw that surprised me. So it's stuff like that. And I'm kind of weird when it comes to storytelling. I really believe that if we hypothetically, if we could um, pull time away 
from our world and know that everything has already been created and already exists, you know, in a different space on the timeline, that story is meant to be told. It just has to find the right person to put it down on paper. So I truly believe that once I have the smallest inkling of an idea, I get in my zone and then the story just kind of comes to me um, based off a tiny, tiny idea or a tiny inspiration that I've had. And I always start with, um, I call it my, my vomit story. So I just blank piece of paper, blank sheet, and I just type for like three hours and it ends up being a five, six page long not necessarily, I don't start with once upon a time, but it's really sloppy. And it's like, there's this girl and she, you know, she has long black hair and she lives in this, you know, swamp house. And I just type this whole thing out. And um, from there, then it turns into an outline. Then it turns into a scene breakdown. Um, But yeah, the story just comes to me in that first, you know, long story and it always comes from the weirdest, most random inspiration that I had. And sometimes I'll do one of those long, you know, long story sheets and nothing happens. I don't even write a script. I read it. I'm like, eh, this has been done before or eh, this isn't really exciting. Um, but yeah, that's, the, you know, that's how I start my process. That's so interesting. Like the, I think for every creative, um, there's kind of this balance of, between like like the openness like allowing the ideas to take you in whatever direction that they want mm-hmm. and then like the like the discerner the inner critic that that is like that's bad that's good we'll keep that we'll throw that out and i think when for a lot of creatives when you're starting out that self critical self judge voice is so strong that a lot of the process becomes like how do i break through into almost that like child's mind where like everything's allowed there are no bad ideas because I know myself you know a lot of my friends and myself included can get really caught up with like you know oh this is you know this idea you know you kind of get hung up on if you hit a snag or something like that My, my friend who's a really talented songwriter has told me time and again he gets a lot of his ideas from dreams because when he's in the dream He's in this like deeply creative space and his internal judge is like turned off. There's no involved. So he's able to like get to, you know, to that place of just like pure creativity without judgment. And um, it sounds like you, you're able to like naturally sink into you. Do you ever struggle with that? Do you ever have like a hard time with the self critique when you're creating your ideas? You know, I, am the furthest thing from a perfectionist when it comes to storytelling just because the reason why I fell in love with acting in the first place was just the pretend like the playing pretend aspect of it when you're playing pretend you don't have to follow any rules now there are quote-unquote rules for story like script structure but as long as you can put your crazy ideas into a correct you know, now I, I, I used to not like 
this. I used to not like the outline process and there's a formula to make a good movie and everything, but there, I believe that there is, but you can take any crazy idea and put it into the formula and make it work. So yeah, no, I, I guess I'm very fortunate that I can turn off my critique and I kind of just let other people critique it for me and say that this is crazy and mm-hmm enough people tell me that the idea won't work then I believe them but if there are a few people that I know like this is cool then I, I go with it I keep going you know <laughs> that's awesome yeah do you uh have you found that you know having done this process so many times does that change the way that you like look at people or like when you meet new people or when you're like I would imagine that maybe you know that when you're in this process so often of creating stories creating worlds creating characters that that can, you know, bleed into your normal life, your interpersonal connections and all that. Has that, has that yes. been the case at all? Yes. <laughs> all of my friends laugh at me because I'm always, if someone tells me a, some, a scary story that happened to them on a hike, like, okay, if this was a lifetime movie. <laughs> we could totally make this movie. <laughs> So I'm always thinking and, you know, yes, it does (laughs) into my life and my friendships, but it's fine because most of my friends are creatives and they go with it. They, they celebrate it. And we talk about, you know, I was in, um, I was on a vacation and we were doing this group hike and the tour guide had to take us in a big pass van from the hotel into the wilderness to start this hike. And there was rock climbing. It was, it, it was wading through these dark rivers um it was a pretty intense situation and the whole time I was looking around there's no one nobody on these these small roads and I started to tell everyone guys if this was a story if this was a movie right now we would all be you know going to our organs would be being sold in the next six (laughs) hours (laughs) so it's fun I I I don't mind that it bleeds into my my personal life because I can laugh about it. And sometimes, you know, I, I had this script that I wrote based off of when my friends and I rented a house by a river um, near the Sierra trees, Sierra forest. And the host was so we scary. It was very scary. And I wrote a script. I mean, I fabricated all of it because it was a scary murder story, but I wrote a script based off of our, experience there and I used the cabin and I used the river and I used the little bar across the street so sometimes it you know does come to flourishing <laughs> yeah the process of mining yeah ideas from experience yeah um I'm curious like the process I want to go back to this you know the, the first time that you sold a script what is that process like like when you you know you got your manuscript or you know the draft or whatever you start sending it around to people. Um, what is that process like when when you know, someone decides they want to start uh, and they want to buy your script? Is there like a back and forth with changes and notes? And Yeah. Or- so usually um, if you know a producer at the production company, it usually um, you usually attach the producer to the script if the producer likes it. Then that producer kind of takes it from you for a while and gets the funding, um, gets the production company to send it to the studio that they're attached with or to. 
Um, so there's that direction, but the other direction is sending it straight to the production company. And if the production company likes it, they will, if you get a lawyer um, and your lawyer will, will negotiate the numbers. And then in that negotiation comes the, um, the drafts, the number of drafts. So um, you sell them your original story and okay, they can, they can have you write, they can give you notes four times and then you do four new drafts. After that fourth draft, they take it from you and they can get another writer to come on and do work on the script. So um, that that was the case with my first script that I sold. We got um, we got two drafts. And then after the second draft, it went like into the wind. I don't know, at the production company. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's usually how it goes. I mean, you get, you, you get interest, that interest turns into a negotiation for a purchase. And then you negotiate how many drafts you're going to do. Um, I now kind of do an unlimited amount of drafts because then I can stay on it the whole time. And it's, it's, it's fun for me to, you know, stay on the whole way through and, whether they bring on a co-writer that they want to try to give a different sensibility. Like if it's, you know, they need, they need a male in there, then sometimes I'll do, I'll do a co-writing process. Like right now I'm co-writing a Christmas movie. Um, I don't know how much I can say about it, but I have a really, they put a really awesome um, talented actress as a co-writer with me and she's never written a script before but she gives the the lead character a sensibility that we need to keep the story authentic um just because of her personal life that parallels so well with the the lead character's life and so yeah it, it the process kind of varies from company to company and situation to situation so um That's yeah awesome. are, are we able to talk at all about the project that we met on Yes, we can. We can talk. Okay. We can say whatever we want. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, so for all of you watching out there, uh, me and Lauren met working on the set of Carolina Christmas, right? Yes, now called Holiday Harmony. Now, that's right. Holiday. I think that was like a yes. subtitle when I was working with you on it. I me yes, remember those did. two. We didn't know. But yeah. Yeah. They uh, but, yeah. But yeah, I was shooting up in in Petaluma in the North Bay. And uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was, was that your first like pro, uh, script that was actually being made into a film? No, that was, okay. so that was my, uh, okay. That was, <laughs> so I did two, okay. So two of my feet, two of my movies, California Christmas and California Christmas City Lights, which are Netflix um, it's a Netflix trilogy. That's um, that was those are my first two that actually made it to screen, which okay. was amazing. Yeah, the best experience ever to see what you wrote come to life. It's just like wild. Which and you that, and your husband starred in together. Yes. Right? Were you yes. guys, did you guys meet on that project, or were you already together? No, we were already together. We met on a project almost a little over five years ago. Another movie on Netflix. That's we met as the two leads of the movies of the movie. Um, and that's how we met. And then I did a TV show called Casa Grande um, about migrant workers, and I had a great team on that one to give the authenticity that you need for a show like that. 
that's going. I can't say where that's going, but it mm-hmm. has a home. Um, and we shot five episodes. They're going to air the first five episodes. And then if the first five episodes do kind of do well, then they're going to keep going. So that will go to screen at the end of 2023. And so then Holiday Harmony would have been my third, would have been my fourth project that actually made it, made it to production. Okay. Yeah. And you, you wrote that and then you also were a producer, right? Yes. So when I met I, you, you were producing on set. Yes. So I, um, Holiday Har- or Christmas in Carolina was a script that was purchased by ESX who have a deal with Warner Brothers um, and ESX hired me to come on and give the story a little bit more fluff. And I, I did a rewrite on it, but I worked with the original writer. So him and I are going 50, 50 on writing credit on this one. And then, yeah, I was lead creative producer for this one. It was my first time actually being the lead creative okay. producer on this one. The others, I was, um, I was a showrunner on Casa Grande. And then the other two movies, I was um, creative producer, but I actually had someone above me because I needed to be shown the ropes. You know, mm-hmm. I had never, um, I had never produced before the California Christmas. So I was just kind of really side by side with the other creative producer. But yeah, uh, Casa Grande was showrunner. Um, What's but the I- difference between a, a producer and a showrunner? I've always wondered. So a showrunner usually has writing um, control um, of the entire, and a showrunner is only for TV. It's not for movies. So a showrunner has control over the entire story first from seasons one to, you know, seasons 10, as long as they're the active showrunner on the show. And they act as a, a creative producer, a producer and a writer it's kind of doing it all. It's a very hard job. Um, and I had a, a great, um, her role was showrunner executive and her name is Derica Barbie. And she kept everything organized. She was, I was very pregnant at that time. It was <laughs> COVID. Yeah. And so I was actually acting as showrunner from Zoom all day long. I was Zooming with monitor. Wow. So I was watching live what was happening through Zoom. And then Derica was acting as like my presence on set. So she would go and run and give the actors a, a, a note with the director and she would communicate with the director for me. And that was wild. That was wild. But yeah, Holiday Harmony, the movie we met on, that was my first time being lead creative producer of a feature. Nice. Yeah. Um, and is that... Is that movie out now or were, are you able to say when it's going to be available? Yes. So it's going to be on HBO Max. It's not out yet. Um, we are still in the final mix. So we're doing color. We're doing sound. We're almost done. Um, but HBO Max, it's starring Brooke Shields, Annalise Sapero, and Jeremy Sumter. Um, the cast was so, I mean, you 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 met them. They were all so nice. And yeah, so they fun. were great. And you can tell you, their spirits are so high offset that it makes for a really happy, um, a great atmosphere on screen as well. So 
it's re I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud. So it'll come out either HBO Max has final say of that. So I don't know exactly, but I'm assuming Thanksgiving or, or, or Christmas. I would imagine that's got to be like such a satisfying feeling to, to, you know, to watch your, this idea that just kind of started with that vomit draft or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. and then suddenly you're watching these like real people, you know, being these characters. And, yes. It's crazy. Um, now with this one, the world was already created for me with this original writer. So I had his, his characters and his world to then use as like my blueprint. So it was a different process. This is the first time that I actually did a rewrite for somebody. I had never done that before. Um, so really you were the writer that the studio brought in? like Yes. Earlier? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I had never done that before. Um, it was fun. It was really fun. Yeah, it's a wild. It's, it's probably one of the coolest experiences that I've been through is writing something on paper, thinking about these characters in these locations in your mind for so many months. And then, you know, the first time you drive up to set and you see your world in front of your eyes it's so so cool it's really cool that's yeah that's, that seems like it It would be like just such a exciting and satisfying thing I remember you know when I met you on set you were definitely like taking it all in I felt like you were very present and mm. and like just living in the moment you know I, oh thank you I feel like I was a chicken with my head cut off on that <laughs> on that last, last time, last day that we were together. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that was, a, there was a lot of energy being output on that. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what it was like, uh, for you to be, you know, a lead in a movie with your husband, like what, it, you know, like you guys are in a relationship together. Were you married at the time when you made your first film together? We were married. We were, yes, we were married for about, we were married for a year. We actually went to dinner on our day off and celebrated our one year anniversary um, while we were filming that movie. So that was one of the the sweet things about the success of that movie was that people would watch it, like it. And then later through doing, you know, whether it be Instagram or Googling or whatever, they would find out that we were married in real life. And then they would be like, oh, my gosh, it's so <laughs> cute yeah and yeah it was so fun because I wrote during the writing process I was writing the characters for us um did you have him in mind as the lead from the start so actually I had him in mind for the lead I didn't have myself in mind for the lead I I didn't I really didn't expect that to happen um basically how California Christmas happened was um the the owner of ESX Entertainment, Ali Afshar, who is just an amazing man. He is the type of person that gives you a chance based off of your potential and really just lets you prove yourself. Um, he's wonderful. He is the only reason why any of my stuff has been on television because he gave me that first chance, that first real chance. Um, but he said, you know, hey, it's it's COVID, like no one's making Christmas movies right now. It's there. It's COVID. It's pandemic. Nobody, no actor is going to kiss another actor. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
there, there weren't even COVID tests when we started writing the movie. And he goes, we're going to do a bare, bare minimum crew. We're going to have everyone in masks. We're going to figure out how to do this safely. And you and Josh have to be the leads. <laughs> like you guys have to do it. Yeah. Um, because at first I just, he wanted to see if we could get a, a movie in production that was a Christmas movie because no one would have a Christmas movie for you know, in time to deliver because of all the setbacks with COVID, all of the production companies were kind of like on pause. And then as we started going over the logistics, oh my gosh, no actor's going to want to be intimate, you know, in, in a space where there's no masks and everything. But because we were married, oh my gosh, we, that doesn't matter. And so then the script became, you know, me and him together and it was so fun because he was such a big part of the writing process. He would be in the office with me, you know, playing with scenes. I'd say, I need, I need, I need something along the lines of this, just like start talking to me about this. And then he would talk to me and I would write, 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 write it down. And, and then on set together, we just, I mean, we're super fortunate. We have the same kind of sense of humor and, um, so we just had such a fun time on set together and there was no bad energy. Like none of us, we didn't, sorry, none of us, we, we didn't, him and I didn't butt heads um, ever. It was just all great, which was awesome to know because we had never worked together before aside from when, on the movie we met on. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was fun. And then the second time around the sequel, we had just had a baby eight weeks before we started filming. Wow. She was like two, she was a, she was a little over two months old. It was, it was longer than eight weeks. Um, but even that, the stress that comes with, oh my gosh, somebody has to go check on Savannah in the trailer with the babysitter, with the mom. Cause we had a, both of our moms tag teaming in the trailer with the baby in the hotel room with the baby mm -hmm. that posed a lot of, you know, a new level of stress. And still we just, we made it work. We had fun, no butting heads. We worked so well together. Um, so we want to do it again in the future. We, we really would love to do more movies together. Um, that's so cool. That That's such a, a rare dynamic too, to be able to, because, you know, there's so much pressure on you. You're carrying this film and you're doing it with your partner and to be able to engage you know, both as professionals, as actors, you're also like, you know, I think inevitably letting some of your relationship leak onto the screen. Like that's oh, why yeah. your characters come alive. Right. Yeah. Um, was there a lot, did you guys do a lot of improv in, in those roles? Like. No, we didn't. The two of us didn't do a lot of improv because our character with, with improv kind of comes come comedy for both of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was a groundlings girl for a while. So anytime I start to improv, it just gets ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Wait, what's groundlings? <laughs> groundlings is a very popular um, improv school. Okay. Comedy. Um, you should go to a groundlings show when you come to, when you come to LA next, we're going to go to a groundlings improv show. It is. I'm down. I mean, you will just scream laugh the whole time. Yeah. Um, but I used to do that. And so, yeah, no improv happens with us on screen because it would just be ridiculous. But <laughs> we allowed, so the first time, the first movie 
there's a character named Manny played by David Del Rio, who's actually the lead in a new show called Maggie. Mm. Uh, he's amazing. But his role, I actually was watching Beauty and the Baker as like my distraction show at night, you know, before I went to bed, I needed to like tune out and Beauty yeah. and the Baker was our show. Josh and I, we were watching Beauty and the Baker and this guy, this kid was hysterical. So I said, okay, I want to write a role for this guy and let's, let's call his agent and see if he'll do it. He said, yes. So I wrote a role for him in California Christmas and he was basically all improv the whole time. And it was hysterical. So then the second time around for the sequel, I really didn't write lines for him. <laughs> it was just all whatever. He knew his character. Um, he went for it. And you'll, I mean, you see it in the movie. It is just hilarious. <laughs> it is so good. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Were you, uh, did you get to be involved in the casting process of either of those films? So the first time around, we didn't even hire a casting director. Wow. Um, we, yeah, we were calling our friends because like I said, it was the pandemic. So it was just a weird time. And we just needed to know that the people we were working with were going to follow the rules, like stay in your bubble. Do not on your off days, please don't go to bars. You know, we can't bring if we, if somebody on our set gets COVID, we, we don't even know because the testing, I mean, we were delayed so much trying to get a lab to work with us to get tests. Mm -hmm. It's like the first time COVID tests started to exist and right. labs started to get. So we, yeah, we just called friends that we knew and we trusted aside from um, David Del Rio, who happened to just be an amazing human being. Um, yes. That was the only person that was like outside of our friend zone in that movie um everyone else was a friend of the director a friend of Allie's, a friend of josh and i and it was great um and then for city lights yes we did hire a casting director i was part of the i was part of the casting process i actually really enjoy being a part of the casting process i love watching i tell the cat i tell my casting directors look i don't i want to watch as many tapes as i can so give me the link just let me let me add it like I will watch I will watch 100 tapes in one day just to see just to not miss anybody because my heart just breaks for like I said all these amazingly talented actors that I know that just whether it, they you know slip through the cracks or don't get seen I don't know but I when I'm a part of that process I feel that I can give a chance to someone who maybe, you know, who someone maybe, you know, a producer might not sit down for 12 hours and just watch tapes, you know? So yeah. I like, I like to be, I like to be adamant that I want to be as involved in the casting process as I can be. Is that like, is that common in your experience in the industry where uh, the writer gets to be involved in casting the story? Or is that something that you have to kind of fight for or, as a writer, as only a writer, that's not available. Usually there probably are special cases, but usually as a writer, you're just a writer. Um, but when you're a producer, you absolutely um, have the choice to, you know, be shoulder to shoulder with casting and 
watch those tapes. <laughs> yeah, because I got to have to imagine as a writer that you really are letting go of, you know, you might have a very strong idea in your mind of what the character is going to look like or who they're going to be. I could imagine that being a process emotionally that you'd have to yeah, know, you gotta... get through. You know, if let's say someone gets cast and you're like, man, that is not, that is not this person, you know, but you know, with, with any collaborative project, right. There's a, there's a certain amount of, you know, sacrifice of what, you know, you, we can't all hold on to super tight to our ideas. I mean, yeah. Sometimes we can, but I would imagine that uh, you kind of got to make peace with that fact, you know, when you're handing off your script to a team. Oh, big time, <laughs> big time, big time. You gotta, you just gotta know that your world and your characters are going to exist and it might not be exactly what you had in mind, but it, it's still, you know, it's still that, that inspiration that you have coming alive and you just got to hold on to that because it, it, yeah, if you hold on too tight to, um, she has to be this, this, and this, and he has to be like this, this, it just, it makes for a disappointment. And I, have been fortunate that I learned that early on from, you know, talking to other writers and producers and everything. Um, people told me that to really let go. And mm -hmm. I did. And it just made it even, it made it a better experience for me. That's great. Yeah. I had that experience actually the first time I directed, you know, I got my start directing music videos and I was working with, you know, as luck would have it talking about luck. Mm -hmm. uh, my first directing gig was for, you know, this pretty famous band, the California Honey Drops, who, who are my favorite. At the time, it was my favorite band. Like these guys were wow. like my idols. So, you know, getting hired to direct a music video for them, I was a little, you know, losing it, but also like really just. That is so, so fun. Yeah. Just wanting to knock it out of the park, you know, really wanting to do, uh, you know, I cared so much about the music and I really wanted to do the song justice with the video that I was creating. And I had that experience on set where, you know, I was so nervous that I made out, you know, kind of by the 15 minutes, I blocked out the entire shoot day. And I was just so, I was like, I got to be on schedule. And, and we stayed on schedule, but there were, there were a couple moments where uh, people, other people had ideas that were in conflict of, of what I had in my mind. And in the moment I was able to like, to, you know, where I came to it in my mind was like, if I let this person, even if I know we're not going to use it in the final cut, you know, if I take the time and I shoot this person's idea for the rest of the day, they're going to be way more engaged on the project. And they're going to give me back like tenfold what I'm giving them. And I actually found there was a couple moments where I'm like, this is actually one of my favorite parts of the, of the video and never would have come into being if I had held on to my, you know, to my idea. Yes. And that was a huge, you know, that's, that's something that I try to bring um, into every production that I'm a part of, you know, is because we can't always see like our own blind spots or our own limitations or you know, when you get these other minds together, that's the beauty of collaboration. 
people are going to give you ideas that you would never think of. And sometimes those end up being like the things that make the scene or make the video or make the movie, like how many great ideas are the results of happy accidents. Yes. Yes. And if you have a mindset going in beforehand, you know, that, um, I'm going to be open to any idea. We're going to try to make everything work. Then it just makes for a much better experience and outcome. Like you said, like that tiny thing being one of your favorite parts that that happens to me often. And it's so fun and I love it. Is there, you know, when you think about like, you know, the the types of movies that you like to make, that you like to write, mm-hmm. I, I know that, uh, they're like the kind of romantic comedy thing kind of seems to be a lot of the ideas that are, that are coming to your mind. Do you have like other genres that you are dreaming about making someday or, you know? So it's funny you say this because I actually romantic comedies and Christmas comedies aren't, I love them. Of course I love creating them, but um, my favorite scripts to write our dra- dark drama like my show Casa Grande was a drama and that is what I connect most to um and thrillers mm. like I said I love listening to those crime podcasts right <laughs> that is what I would love to move more toward um I always picture my career as a staircase and I tell everyone, you know, this part of the staircase is just covered with Christmas lights and rainbow (laughs) and it's fine, (laughs) you know, the stair is just, the stair is just all Christmas lights and it's fine. I'm still, I'm still here. So, um, but yeah, eventually I would love to start, like I have um, a concept that I'm so excited to make room for, to start to put down. Um, It's a drama about um a girl in foster care and I'm really excited about it so hopefully I have time to start that soon do you do you go out and do research for when you're writing these stories like have you ever has that ever been a part of your process like if you're writing about a rancher you go like yeah. out on the ranch or you know oh yeah so with Casa Grande because of COVID and I was super pregnant I actually couldn't go in person but the inspiration came from um, being on one of a, a very large dairy farm in California and seeing the migrant workers housing and the migrant workers kids that were running around and playing with the baby cows. And I just, I, I was so fascinated by this, these, these people that I've never even thought about yet they're the ones that are putting the produce in our grocery stores, you know, without these people, we wouldn't have fresh fruit in the aisles of Ralph's, you know? So I dove in hard with research and calling people and getting a team together with a lot. I mean, ESX really helped get this, this beautiful team together um, that gave the show authenticity and that's in that the migrant you know in that space um a lot of the show is also in Spanish so we had some um some writers that were you know spoke Spanish and had 
stories that paralleled to a lot of the migrant workers, their life story. Um, we had a story consultant that was incredible uh, just to make sure that we were, you know, doing everything right. A lot of the show has to talk about um, immigration laws and ICE and everything and the history of how that started because we go into the past with 9-11 and how immigration just started to become a massive deal and here I am this little white girl talking about all this so with that show there is a giant team of people that just give that thick honesty when it comes to all that stuff um so yeah that that was very fun that was probably the most research I've ever done for a a project that's awesome it's Mm -hmm. getting me in the in the heads race I'm leaving for Guatemala in three days so oh wow I, uh, I'm very excited to go work on my Spanish a little bit more and yes jump in the volcanic lakes and all you that gotta talk about you got to talk to my husband he he speaks Spanish he he grew up going to Guatemala all the time oh nice yeah I gotta send me your wrecks you know yeah seriously <laughs> <laughs> yeah me and me and my brother are doing a a brother trip I uh I went to Costa Rica last year. This is going to be my fourth Spanish speaking country in four years. So, um, you know, my brother dropped me off at the airport and then he picked me up when I got back and he got, so we got to see like the time-lapse, the difference. Cool. And uh, when I got back, I think he was like, I want whatever that was, you know? And he hasn't really done much. He's done a little traveling in his life, but not for a while. And Traveling is really important to me, and I've I've really been trying to get the bug going in him. Yes, and, uh, cool. So I'm hoping that you know we're we're doing a pretty sweet trip. We're gonna do two week yoga retreat on Lake Atitlan, watch oh, the volcanoes. Wow. So Apparently, cool. you can watch the volcanoes erupt from where we're staying, and wow. uh, then we'll we got a week of free travel. So, um, oh, that's awesome very excited i'm hoping that like my dream is that we'd go on this trip and then he gets inspired to take his own trip because i think like the solo travel at least for me has been like such a powerful tool for for building self-reliance and confidence and really like learning and discovering things about myself um it's something that i i want everybody to get to get an opportunity to yes, do yes i need to do more traveling i feel like when um savannah is older or however many kids we have if they once they get a little bit older we can start doing that as a family but yeah that's awesome i hope you have the best time thank you yeah the last thing i wanted to ask you is i was looking up your imdb when we were when i was prepping for the show and i saw that you were on dear white people yes Oh, that was so which, fun. Which season was that? Oh my gosh, I'm going to be remember? terrible. I don't remember. It was either one or season one or two. Okay, so I've seen it. I've seen the first two seasons. So yes, before so I, I even met you, I I, I saw you. Uh, I saw you on that show. That's, that's so awesome. awesome. Yeah, I played Coco's first roommate, um, and it was so much fun working on that show. The director is awesome. Um, talk about improv she let me improv a little bit that's awesome a little bit oh so fun yeah that was a great show to be on and funny I I definitely uh 
I haven't seen the new season that just came out, but I got, I definitely got sucked in. I know I got to watch. I, 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 I didn't even watch my season. I have to watch. (laughs) (laughs) I love the, you know, I love the, uh, I felt, felt like the coloring, like the grading on that show. It looks so nice. Like whoever they got to do like the post work. It, uh, that was one thing that really stuck out to me was, was just the way that they graded it. Yeah. That was such a great set. Like everything was expensive, you know, (laughs) the good stuff, the good stuff. Top top of the line. Yes. Sweet. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome having you on the show and well definitely I want to do it again when I'm actually down in LA next time and and get us on the nice cameras yes let's um, go let's do it tell me when want to check check in about your projects in you know in in real time and um how can people connect with you find you what's the best uh place for them to to suss you out so I only really use Instagram um I check my DMs every like month. Nice. And I, answer some, I answer some questions. Yeah. So yeah, just on my Instagram. It's just my name, Lauren Swickard. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you for having me. This was so much fun. It's my pleasure. Well, yeah. uh you where are you right now? You're in Big Bear, is that what you said? Yes, I'm in Big Bear. We have a little little cabin in big bear we came home to mice and scorpions so oh that's right yeah i'm actually having after this call i'm going to call a bunch of people to help me get rid of those because can't do that you don't want it yeah especially with the with the baby running around you don't want scorpions i know so bad anyway yeah big bear i had this experience when i was in india i was doing a like a vipassana meditation retreat and you know, we were doing like hour, two hour long meditation sits. So like my back would just get so shredded, you know, because us Westerners are used to having seats or, you know, backings to our chairs. Yeah. And so, you know, we'd get like five minutes in between, you know, do like an hour of meditation, five minute break, and then another hour. So I would run back to my room and then try to do like some stretching and yoga on my little bed. And I was, was doing like, you know, upward facing dog. And I felt something in between my fingers and I looked down and there was a little scorpion right in between my fingers. And I'm like squeezing it with my fingers like this. And it was like, you know, I think one of the dangerous, you know, they say like the smaller ones are dangerous. It was definitely one of those. And I would like look down at it and it was just kind of like, <laughs> and I just like pulled my arm back and I was like, oh my God. Like I was like, what are you doing to me? Yeah. And I oh. I think maybe I was on like the right wavelength, you know, so it like didn't sting me. But man, if I had gotten stung, I was up in the, the Himalayas at this little like retreat center. It would have been it would have been bad. Um uh, so I took him and I put him outside and uh you didn't smush him? I would have smushed. No, I don't. I uh, I'm a more of a catch and release type of. I like that. Those are the person. Would you say? Those are the good ones. Those are the good people. I... Yeah, I mean, I you know I have this theory that people are like I kind of break down people into two groups. It's like either you're, you're creeped out by snakes or you're creeped out by spiders, and I feel like most people it's either one or the other. Like for me, like snakes don't really give me the willies but spiders really do 
Yeah, same, same. And, you know, so I have a, you know, my own pact or my own agreement with spiders is like, I'll like, you know, I'll take you, I'll put you outside. I'm not going to squash it, but just stay out of my bed. You know? <laughs> yeah. There. Yes. Oh, well, awesome. all the talk of spiders and like, I need to make sure that I get rid of all of them now. Yeah. Go get your, go get those scorpions out. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, let's be in touch and just all the best. Awesome. You too. See you soon. All right. Thanks, Lauren. Bye. Bye.